0: What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. And we got a great show for you guys today. Plenty of NFL news, plenty of big transactions, some big names head to new teams, and one guy wanting to uh, lead the team that he's currently on. So we'll talk about what the odds are of that. We'll also talk about some NBA stuff. The Lakers are in a tailspin out of the playoff race below 500. Will they make the playoffs? I'll ask on that later on in the show. And the Celtics coming off a major win over the Sixers, has people questioning, is the team, in fact, better without Kyrie Irving, who was injured in that win over the Sixers? And of course, we have who's flames, who's trash, we have Kendall's court, and obviously joining me today is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, uh, what are you looking forward to talking about today, and what are you bringing to the table?
1: Well, obviously, it felt good uh, uh, to have that Celtic win last night. You know. There are a lot of uh we've been on a two game tailspin, uh which I know sounds ridiculous, right? Two game tailspin, but that's what that's what the, currently that's what the Lakers are on, so. I know, right. I just call yeah. what
0: they did a tailspin, so I don't think it's that crazy.
1: But like um that's the way the NBA is covered nowadays. You know, you lose two games in a row, all everything's out of control. But <laughs> despite the fact that the Knicks have lost, you know, eighteen straight or whatever. Yeah, it Knicks are all <laughs> forever. People are shrugging their shoulders. But um but yeah uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about related like, to the Celtics a lot of good football nuggets to talk about in the beginning of the show and uh later in the show i'll give you why the NBA is trash I'm looking at you adam silver the J- NBA is
0: trash we're bad we're like when I don't want to say we're a basketball show but we love basketball on the show so you are gonna have to you have an explanation i, I to be fair I have, my trash is a segment of the NBA that is trash so I, I guess I can't really talk too much but I'm just saying that's a. The National Basketball Association
1: is trash,
0: EJ. Okay. We'll, we'll get go, to that. We'll go see why that is. Let's start the show with the latest news of the week. And that's the Denver Broncos acquiring a new quarterback, Joe Flacco. Former Super Bowl MVP was traded by the Baltimore Ravens to the Broncos for what right now is being uh, classified as a mid first round pick. At this moment, it's unclear what round exactly that will be. But right now, it's saying a mid first round pick. So this move seemingly. Mid drastic. Pick. What was that
1: a mid mid round pick? Yeah, mid, mid round mid pick. First. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> at first. I was like, a first round pick? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Mid, I was like, whoa, a mid round. Sounds like fourth time. round from what I've heard.
0: Right. Some probably fourth, fifth. I mean, that's what the mid rounds are. So, I would assume fourth, fifth. I'd be surprised if it was third, but who knows. Um, the move seemingly solves the Broncos' glaring QB problem. Uh, at least going into next year, they draft at ten. I don't think that they would draft the quarterback and take Flacco. But, I mean, with John Alway, I think anything's kind of possible. Um, and, of course, for Baltimore's side, that stamps uh, Lamar Jackson as their QB moving forward. But staying, Kendall, with the Broncos, do you think Flacco is the right kind of player uh, to move the Broncos back into the playoff hunt in the AFC West?
1: Yeah, I mean, this seems like a very bizarre move. Because I feel like Denver, they're in a similar situation as Miami. They have been, really, since Peyton Manning left. They've been in a situation where they don't have a franchise quarterback. They haven't had one. Uh, they taken swings at guys. but it, And Miami, like a lot of it's been because of injury, but they still have been like very much a middle-of-the-road AFC team. And Denver, for the most part, has been that as well. And I feel like we saw... Uh, it's been reported very widely, and very loudly, by many people in the NFL, including Adam Schefter, that the Dolphins are going to tank this year. They can't say it, but they'll tell the reporters that yeah, we're tanking. We're not trying to win. Uh, they have the lowest odds to win the Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl for next season in Vegas. Uh, it's the reason why is because they feel like there is a deep quarterback class, which there is next year uh, in the 2020 draft, mm-hmm. and their mindset is we need to get a quarterback long term. We got to lose now. We got to lose now to win big in the future. Denver, on the other hand, seems to be continuously taking this approach of we have to find the the gritty veteran quarterback that's gonna help win a seven to eight games every year. Um, why they why they feel that way? Look, I'll give them credit. They did draft Paxton Lynch. That was a that was a, a, a mess. It was a, a train wreck Yeah I don't, I don't know if credit is the word I would give them, I would give them Yeah I mean it. credit in the sense that at least they tried to get a young Quarterback Right. Um, you know <laughs> so it's not as if like they've only Been I'll give them their credit they they The draft Lynch, it didn't work out But just because Facts and didn't work out uh, Who was a project anyway doesn't mean That you should feel like We're not going to develop a young quarterback now I mean you look at the guys they've had um, You've had Osweiler uh, you had, you've had, had Paxson Lynch, you've had Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum, now Flacco. I, I mean, beyond Paxton, none of those dudes I look at and say they're young. I mean, Osweiler was, I guess, younger, but even he was in kind of in his prime of his career thing with Simeon. Like, they need to develop a high-end young quarterback, high-end draft pick, high-end round young franchise quarterback. And they seem like they have no interest in doing that. I could be wrong. Come April, they could draft Drew Lop at number 10. They could draft um, Will Greer in the second round. And all will be forgiven, for the most part. Then I'd still be like, eh, I don't like the value value of giving up a fourth for Flacco, but um, at least least I'd be like, all right, they are taking the shot. They're saying, look, we're going to go the Mahomes route. We're going to Sit our guy for a year or whatever, a year or two, and let Flacco be the guy in that time period. And that's fine. But that when has John Elway proven that he that he's trying to do that? It seems like he's trying to win games now and a lot of his picks have been defense historically. So I don't know. It all it just goes to show you that being a great quarterback does not translate to being a, a great evaluator of quarterback talent. Yeah, part of me is
0: starting to wonder uh, if John Elway is. I don't want to go this far, but he's starting to kind of remind me of like the Joe Dumars of the NBA, of the NFL. Right. Remember Joe Dumars running the Detroit Pistons? Uh, obviously, he him he constructed that team that uh, you know upset the Lakers, shocked the world, and won that two thousand four NBA championship with no superstar players. Though, ironically, now at least two or three of them will be in the Hall of Fame, but no superstars, certainly no offensive superstars and be the team that uh, was fielding in the Lakers for Hall of Famers. But if you remember how things turned out in Detroit, bad contracts, bad trades, uh, poor mismanagement, um, bad coaching hires, all these things end up culminating in Joe Dumars being gone, probably, I would say, a decade later, maybe a little less, uh, despite what was a, a unbelievable start to a tenure as a, football, a sports executive in, in Joe Dumars. I feel like Joe... Uh, I feel like uh, Elway, John Elway's kind of had the same thing. You know, we saw him kind of navigate the Tebow mania. We saw him turn Tebow mania into, into Peyton Manning, and they had those great years uh, with him. Went to one Super Bowl. They won one Super Bowl. Able to put together a, a monster defense that was able to, to win without the fact that Peyton, despite the fact that Peyton Manning was uh, at an advanced age in his career and could no longer really carry the team. John Elway went from that guy, that GM, who made awesome moves, uh, and made the most out of what he had. So you mentioned the terrible draft picks with Paxton Lynch, the terrible trades they've made, um, their really inability to to field a, uh, a a a respectable offense. I would say since uh, Peyton Manning retired, you could argue Peyton Manning was around. They didn't have a respectable offense. That team won that Super Bowl on defense. And if you, John Elway, you would think that the one thing you would be able to get right is quarterbacks, and I would say that's the one thing he's. without doubt has gotten wrong. So uh, I look at this trade. Joe Flacco is a guy that I actually have liked for parts of his career, but the numbers don't lie, man. Since uh, 2013, he's only had one season where he's had a QBR above 60. Um He's the definition of average. I'm looking at his numbers here. 47 QBR in 2013. He had 68 in 2014. That was a very good year, and they won 10 games in Baltimore. Then he had 49, 52, 49, 58. All years in which the Baltimore Ravens were either at 500 or floating around 500 when he started. Flacco, at this point in his career, I just don't think he's the kind of guy that is going to get it done for you in this league. The NFL is about explosive play from the quarterback position. The teams are so good now, it's hard to just lean on a defense and just say that, oh, we just get decent play from a quarterback, we can win. Uh, I think, Flag- I think. excuse me, uh, Elway may be partial to that because he kind of benefited from that a little bit at the end of his career um, when he was with the Denver Broncos. The second year, the year before he, his final year, his final year he was great, but the year before that, he didn't have a great season, but they were able to lean in Denver on a great defense and a great running game. And then he saw what Peyton Manning did in the last Super Bowl he won for them where the quarterback was playing poorly, but they would lean on a solid running game and a great defense. I think that El- Elway is kind of living in the past thinking that I could just live on a recipe that won Super Bowls 20 years ago, and that's going to win today. It- it's just not true. You just, You're not going to win three games or two games against high-level competition without a quarterback that can go out there and win you games. And I think Flacco may have been that guy six, seven years ago. He ain't that guy today.
1: And I don't I feel like I look at this Denver roster and I don't know if like you're right, the defense for the most part is there. Um Vance Joseph did a great job that defense, you bring in um big fan, Big Fangio uh to run the to run the team now. I the defense will be there. But do they have the pieces offensively around Joe Flacco to be more than competent? And I don't I don't know if it's there, and that's what that's what bothers me about this team is that I'd feel better about this move if I felt like yeah they're in win now mode they've got now a lot of pieces uh, and they're bringing in a quarterback that's the finishing touch that's what that was basically the case when they brought in Peyton Manning it was Tebow had good pieces around him and the idea was well you bring Peyton Manning if he's healthy like he takes those guys to another level. And now that offense could really be dynamic, similar to how I felt about Mahomes in Kansas City going into year versus someone like Alex Smith, where I was like, Look, Mahomes is nice. I didn't know if he was gonna be good or not, but if he was, that he could take the weapons that are obviously there in Kansas City and make them look a lot better. I don't know if Flacco I well, I would agree one hundred percent that I think Flacco had more upside than Case Keenum. I don't know if I look at you know Cortland Sutton and you know Roy Freeman and Roy and uh, Philip Lindsay and say these guys are gonna that these guys also are gonna be turned into you know dynamic players right. now playing with Joe Flacco. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's and, and I'll be honest, I can't I can't say for sure this guy's an upgrade over Case Keenum. I cannot right. say that. Case Keenum has played better more recently than Flacco has. Keenum that's is a fair. year removed from a Pro Bowl season. Uh, in which he led what was a, a very efficient and a uh, high scoring Vikings offense. We can say whether there's smoke and mirrors or not, but there's no question as you were Viking fans with Mike Zimmer, Mike
1: Zimmer to- say smoke and
0: mirrors. But you as a Viking fan would attest to that. That team scored points. That team. Put oh up, yeah. That team put up points. That team put up yards. Keenum orchestrated that offense. I have not seen Flacco put together that kind of offense in at least four years, maybe ever in his career. So. This is why this move is so is so ridiculous to me, honestly, because I just feel like if you're going to make a trade for a quarterback, you got to make a trade for a guy who's a, a clear upgrade, who's who's played exceptional football, but maybe has let his teammates have let him down. I, I'm not saying Baltimore's had the greatest supporting cast. I actually I think they have not done a good job. I think they've done a terrible job of putting together the supporting cast in Baltimore. But Flacco has shown that he didn't, wasn't able to lift the ability of those guys in Baltimore. Why do you think that, besides Philip Lindsey, a bunch of average players, you got Emmanuel Sanders coming off a major injury, if these are the kind of guys that he's going to be able to lift up? I just don't see it happening. And again, if we think that in now in 2019 you could have a team that uh, that's going to just say, we're going to run the football and just play solid defense, and the quarterback just has to not screw it up, and you think you're going to win, you're just kidding yourself. And that division, is, you think you can catch up with the Chargers and the Chiefs playing like that? Come on now. You got no chance. So uh, I think we're both in agreement here. This move is, is puzzlesome to me. But um, but I guess we'll, we'll just see how this all ends up playing out. Let's move on, Kendall. Let's talk about uh, the other, uh, some of the other major news regarding trades. Oh, this trade has not been done yet. In regards, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver a- Antonio Brown. He officially requested a trade from the Steelers. The Star wideout posted a tweet thanking Steelers fans uh, and suggesting that it was, quote, time to move on. Now, Kendall, the Pittsburgh Steelers would take a $21 million cap hit if they trade him before March 17th. That number balloons to $23 million if a deal is made after that date. Trading him after June 1st would allow the team to spread that money over two years, so there is that. Uh, We hear that the 49ers are at least one team that Brown has expressed interest in going to, and there is word that that interest could definitely be mutual. Kendall, before we get to the stuff about the Steelers, do you think the Niners actually would be a good fit for antonio brown and to the niners go after him
1: um well i mean i guess if from the 49ers standpoint um i mean it makes sense you know i don't know what jimmy g's help i mean i assume jimmy g's gonna play next year uh you know ACLs nowadays a lot of times guys can get ready especially he got hurt fairly early in the season yeah it was like second game right second third game whatever it yeah, it was early. Yeah, it was definitely early. I don't know if it was the second game, but it was one of the, like the first, it was, like the first. It was month. in the first month, I think. Yeah, um, and I feel like if you, I mean, if you feel like he's gonna be ready, and you really want to take a shot next year, um, then I say why not? Uh, I can't imagine they're getting a first-round pick for this guy only because of the off-the-field issues. You know, look, I, I made the case a while back. That this dude was wild, you know, and it was becoming apparent, and it was before there were any legal issues. It was just, you know, article like I said, the article I was reading, the undefeated, that kind of displayed that kind of stuff, and some of the stuff he had been saying, even going back to last year, talking about how he wanted to be a falcon and stuff. Like it was, I, you know, the the behavior became apparent that it was uh, teetering in a negative direction, and I feel like now things are starting to really come ahead, you know, come to a head and. I mean, his value, it's not, it means rock bottom for Antonio Brown, you know, for a Pro Bowl, All-Pro, top three receiver in the game. Um, I think they can still get a second round uh, pick for Antonio Brown. Um, is it worth it for San Francisco? I, I would certainly understand it because we, we've we seen uh, in today's day and age there's a window of, of opportunity. Uh, we saw it with L.A., going all in and maybe sacrificing your long-term future uh, or at least some of your long-term future to put all your chips to the table to win. And you could turn your, you could turn the ship around quickly. And I think San Francisco had that opportunity. Uh, I think there are other teams out there though, that could also make that move. You know, I think the Jets could be a team that could look at him. I think uh, Arizona could be a team that that could look, that could look at him. So um, I, 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 and I also think Indianapolis I would consider as well so there are teams out there that i would certainly look at it just depends on what you what type of background information you find out about it and if you feel like you're comfortable with off the field stuff you certainly worth at least a second round pick
0: yeah this is a tough one i mean for me uh the 49ers last year four and 12 um you know the season really not never got off the ground that's a slow start and then the injury to garoppolo I tell you what, this is this is a team that obviously needs uh, needs another wide receiver. George Kittle had an unbelievable year at the tight end position, but they need a uh, a guy who could be their number one. I, the the thing about Brown that scares me, Kendall, is that as great a talent as he is, and while I do think he could help lift up a team that's poor. Part of me just feels like I don't know if he's enough trouble. If the trouble he brings and he's going to bring to a team that is going to struggle is going to be worth whatever your improvement is, because Brown played. It was that was with a model franchise that had a franchise QB that had a Super Bowl winning head coach that had a, a a beast in the running game, a solid defense. I mean, he had pretty much, besides playing for the New England Patriots, the most tailor made situation in Pittsburgh, and somehow he couldn't figure that out. That would scare me if I'm the Jets, if I'm the uh, if I'm the the 49ers, and I'm a team that I know we're kind of on the come up. He's going to be the the first piece that could really maybe bring us out of uh, the doldrums uh, of the bottom of the, of our division. I'm mean, gonna look to him to be a leader and look for him to kind of. Uh, again, lift the lift the play of the guys around him. If he couldn't function in Pittsburgh, why do I think he's gonna function catching passes from Jimmy Garoppolo or catching passes from Sam Donald? if He didn't want to deal with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, I, I guess if you're one of those teams, you have to hope that his issues with Pittsburgh have more to do with just this time running out. As he kind of said, it's time to move on. You hope that maybe he just got tired of the situation. He just felt like. Wherever he goes, it'd be better than where he is. But for a guy who's proven to be temperamental, a guy who's proven to have a short fuse, I do not he doesn't strike me as the most patient guy. He's got to be patient if he goes to the 49ers. I don't think that even with him, barring some crazy uh, other moves that they make, I still don't expect him to compete for the division. So right. he's talking about a team that barely makes the playoffs, or is fighting for a playoff spot. He's going to be yelling at his offensive coordinator. He's going to be yelling at Kyle Shanahan. If he get the ball enough in a certain game, is he going to yell and at Jimmy Garoppolo if he doesn't get the ball enough. Uh, is he going to be complaining about the team losing. You know, he talked about how he wants to be a winner. I, I, I mean, all the stuff he's heard, he's like, I, I, w- I just want to win wherever I go. And now we're talking about the 49ers. I mean, I, it, it, we think the 49ers are going to win more games than the Steelers next year? That seems highly yeah. unlikely, even with Antonio Brown and him off the Steelers. So, NFC
1: is, is too tough.
0: So, I mean – I, I, I get you. I, I understand the Forty ers did it. I would understand the Jets did it. But I, to me, if I'm taking Antonio Brown, I got to be a team that has another rock-solid situation. Hope that my situation can deal with – can can mask some of the issues that he brings to the table. Because I just don't think those other franchises can do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess ideally in these types of situations uh, where you have, like, an elite-level player like this that has – Character concerns. Generally, you want him in a veteran locker room, a veteran situation, with a team in a franchise that knows how to win, and that know, and that can handle his his, his, his issues. You have a strong coaching staff. Right. Um, Pittsburgh typically is that situation, but they've kind of been a mess over the last two years. That's true. You know, their two best players both were basically running rampant, boycotting the the team. So, uh, clearly things aren't going great over there, but, you know, we've seen guys like Randy Moss uh, and T.O. also be in these types of situations, and they've worked out best where they worked out best when they went to the situations that were stable. Um, Moss going to Oakland d- did nothing for him. Going to New England, on the other hand, was great for him. Um, same with T.O. going to uh, Philly and, and Dallas, so I like. I feel like those types of situations. If we're talking about that, those those types of comparisons, Indianapolis would be a good fit because I feel like Indianapolis, you know, everything's gone well for them uh, over the last year. Uh, Luck played excellently uh, the season, um, and I feel like you add Antonio Brown to that team, and they could be a top two or three team in the uh, in the AFC. Um, and then besides them, I mean, the Chargers. I mean, like there are teams out there that could that can What about Philly? I feel like Philly is a
0: team that I haven't heard anyone mention. Um, but that sounds like a team that I think he would fit well on. Um, it's a locker room that's very close together. Um, it's a team that I think has receivers that are kind of a little long in the tooth, especially when I think of Alshon Jeffrey. I think they're a team that definitely needs a number one, but. It's certainly not far from a Super Bowl, and I think that he, if they add a guy like him, they're right back in a Super Bowl picture, barring uh, Carson Wentz coming back healthy. What about them?
1: Yeah, I mean, Philly could be interesting. Um, they kind of have, I mean, they kind of had their own little turmoil this year at times, uh, and I don't know, they have to solve their quarterback situation, but, um, like, they could use the firepower, I think, offensively. You know, I mean, Golden Tate definitely gave them that burst, but I mean, Antonio Brown's on a completely different level. You got Antonio Brown. And they may be able to add the the capital, the draft capital, that they could potentially get from Nick Foles. So, right. I mean, Philly is a, is a uh, potential destination as well. I don't know what their cap situation is like, whether or not they want to take on, eat that kind of money. But, uh, I mean, Antonio Brown's one of those players, like, it's like asking – You know, like, how would uh, Kevin Durant, what teams would Kevin Durant fit on? Yeah, it's like, like, yeah, 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 it's like every team, you know, I mean, he would help every team, he's the top two or three receiver in the league, there are, I can count on, I mean, I can count on on my hand the number of teams that really don't need uh, Antonio Brown, Um, but uh, ultimately, I feel like, you know, there are going to be teams that really feel more motivated to step up to the plate. My guess is he ends up in either Arizona, New York, or Indy. I do think that any. I do
0: think in terms of the Steelers, it, it, I don't think they should mess around with this. I think that they have to move him. Um, I would not move him and take that twenty-one million dollar cap hit. I think that being able to spread it over two years to move him after June first would be smart. So that's a long time to have to try to stomach <laughs> the situation. But I, I think that they're at a point now where they kind of have to start building beyond Antonio Brown. And Belichick was a master at it, uh, trading a guy a year before you know, things get out of hand. And the Steelers you know, weren't able to do that, obviously, in this situation. And of course, Brown's such a great player. You don't want to have to do something like that. But I, I think that Brown's the kind of guy that, to me, he, he, he he's shown that he's not afraid to blow up the locker room in a way that really makes the team hard to function. And if some guys I may call their bluff on you know, their trade demands, he's not the one. I, I think that, uh, while it's unfortunate for, for, what, for them and how the situation has uh, turned out, I think they should move on. Kendall, uh, a lot of football story today comes by way of Cleveland, where they announced that they are signing troubled uh, former chief running back Kareem Hunt uh, he, of course, was cut by the Chiefs last season, following a video surfacing of him in an altercation with the woman. Now, Kendall, obviously the deal is a one-year deal. It includes a lot of incentives that really make the deal. Uh, while they say it's worth $1.1 million, really it's worth about 600000 because he has to play every game in order to get to that number. And he, while he's facing a possible lengthy suspension, that seems unlikely he's going to play all 16 years. So uh, who knows what that number will be. It will likely be less than $1 million. But of course, uh, I, the bigger question more is, is, Kendall, does this send a bad message to the league that uh, Hunt, after just uh, really just missing the last part of the regular season
1: and the playoffs with the Chiefs is already on an NFL roster? Uh, I mean, it, it, it wasn't surprising. I mean, like, no, I, I mean, feel like...
0: That's not surprising but does it send a bad message.
1: Right. You know, like, I like I feel like we, this is something we talked about when he got cut, or, yeah, when he got cut and the, you know, the video came out was, look, he's going to get picked up by somebody. He's going to get scooped up by somebody. Definitely. You know, he's too, too good of a player. Um, in today's day and age, teams are, they think it's winning first and PR second. In most scenarios, so because um, ultimately winning trumps PR. You know, the right. Patriots for a lot of years, you know, had, had terrible public, have had terrible PR around the league. You know, been one of the most hated franchises by the media, by the you know league office, by fans across the league. But they don't care. If you win, their fans will forgive you. Um, so I feel like it's not surprising that he's on a team whether or not I send a, a bad message, I feel like, I mean, I don't know what, like, I don't know what message, it, I mean, it's not a, it's not the right message to send when we have a guy like Colin Kaepernick who's not in the league and right. Kareem Hunt playing. Um, but what I will say is like, again, it's it, it just sends the message that winning is prioritized, which isn't really, you know, surprising. Um, like, if, Cleveland didn't do it. Someone else would have. Um, it's up to now the league to discipline him uh, correctly. They feel like, like I don't think necessarily Kareem Hunt should necessarily be completely out of a job. Uh, I mean Ray Rice was, but we talked about this before. Ray Rice was not as good of a player as Kareem Hunt is now. He's at the tail end of his career, so slightly different comparison. But it's it's, it's I mean it's unfortunate. Um, especially when we talk about like, you know, again, guys, someone like Colin Kaepernick who may not be as good as Kareem Hunt, last we saw him, but still is, is uh, certainly a NFL, arguably a starter level player, but certainly an NFL caliber quarterback uh, who can't get a job for something obviously not <laughs> in, in nowhere near the scope of what Kareem Hunt uh was cut for so it, it's certainly bizarre and it's not a bad message in that sense. but I, I think the message i think the message anybody that looks at this and is appalled I, I mean i will just tell you that like this has been the business of the nfl i mean were you appalled i mean i'm sure you were appalled when greg hardy got signed by the cowboys you know like this has been the business of the nfl for decades just because ray rice didn't get a job doesn't mean that wasn't that. Doesn't mean that was gonna start a trend. Uh, that was gonna change the way GMs and owners think.
0: Yeah, man. Every time the NFL does this kind of, I feel like they're just they're just holding a mirror up to society. And I say that because look, uh, I hope Cream Hunt can mature. I hope that he's learned his lesson from the terrible thing that he did. Um, and and I hope that he can move on with his life and, and be uh, be be you know. poster child so to speak for why you should not uh, you know partake in domestic violence and and acts of violence against women but I, I say the NFL to me this is like them holding up a mirror because it just to me every time we do this and what our reaction is pretty much kind of shows us what where society is at because Kareem Hunt was able to cross the wire and we saw what was on that video it was heinous it was terrible And the Cleveland Browns felt like, you know what? The guy can play. He's a star player. Let's cut out there. He's there's no doubt he's one of the top five running backs in the NFL probably. I mean I'd say top ten. You say top ten?
1: Top five, I mean mean,
0: wasn't he lead league in rushing when he got he got it suspended or got cut? I mean I I I would say top five. You wanna say top ten, that's fine. I mean he's 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 a, a star back at the very least. And um so, to me, while with that being said, they say, look, this guy's a star player, and what he did was bad, and like you said, it's winning over PR, and he looked at it and said, uh, what's the PR hit going to be? And they determined it wasn't going to be that bad, and for the way I see it, it doesn't seem like it's been that bad. So, they said- And well, you know why the PR hit's not that bad? It's, it's It makes sense for us to make this I
1: think this type of behavior by the league has been normalized, again, mm-hmm. like, even in my eyes. Like I said- I, i'm not surprised so i can only get but so heated you know what i mean i shouldn't be like that but you know if this if we were in a society and if we were in a society where it was normalized to uh when a guy got in in this type of situation where they would be out of a, they'd be out of the league and the browns tried to pull this this would certainly be uh more this would certainly have more of a hit in terms of their 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 public image but this type of stuff everyone knew kareem hunt would get a job if he didn't get a job it would be like i mean fans were saying yo should we sign kareem hunt (laughs) you know i mean every i mean i i mean I've, i've seen cleveland
0: browns beat writers just get clobbered by fans on social media for speaking out against kareem hunt and I've just seen them get clobbered by fans right. being like, "Oh, like you know, he deserves a second chance. Like, why are you doing this?" Like, they I don't mean, care. They want they
1: want to see their guy win. But that's they why will, I, they want to see their team win.
0: That's why I say it's holding up a mirror because man, we're in a nasty society. When And my thing is just keep everything even. If we're gonna say that this is okay and this is fine, and Greg Hardy is fine, but Colin Kaepernick for kneeling to the national anthem. Or forget about Kaepernick. How about Eric Reed, who just did re-sign. Uh, kudos to the uh, Carolina term, yeah. Panthers. Signed for a three-year deal. But he spent all those months as a free agent. This guy is a obvious starting-level safety. And was basically just punished and blackballed for a long period of time because he you know, coincided with Kaepernick uh, and, and worked with Kaepernick in terms of being one of the first players to kneel alongside him. And to think about what those guys are trying to stand for, and regardless of what you think of the military, and what you think of the country or the flag, and think of what guys like Greg Hardy and Cream Hunt, and I'm gonna, look, I, I, I'm gonna even throw in Michael Vick, and, and think of some of the guy, things these guys have, guys have done, and then the acts these guys have made, criminal acts that these guys have made, and we look at that and we're like, oh, well, those guys deserve a second chance. To, to, to go out there and to me like you just I can't listen to anybody who takes who could look at this and be okay with that and talk about Kaepernick I just can't take you seriously I think you're a clown.
1: Yeah, that's honest. why like with the Kaepernick deal like I would say like it's a, it's a, it's a tad bit unfortunate that we don't get because the the only way you can skew that argument is to say well Green Hunt like I said is better than Kaepernick but again <laughs> anybody that's anybody the point, that. Though. But yeah. that's the point. As, it, it, what you just said that, is the like,
0: point. So because he's good, you're okay with this. Well, yeah. Because no, Ray Wright no, was saying, bad, like, you're okay why, with him being bad? No, but like, like why, but, but like, even like, that rationale, though, Kendall. Like that rationale in itself is
1: sickening. Like, right. Like, but like, and what I'm saying fail. is, what I was gonna say though was, I feel like we'd be better off, or I was going to would be better off, but. It would be interesting, and I think the conversation would be different. Or I would like to see if it was different if a star player did what Kaepernick did. I'd argue. I think. I think it, it would be slightly. I could be wrong, but because I feel like there isn't that cushion to say this guy, he would, the guy whoever would, like let's say like Antonio Brown did what Kaepernick did, like, I mean he would he would be in the league, but. At the same time, he he'd be getting the same amount of hate vitriol <laughs> that Kaepernick has gotten, um, but I, I think there is that cushion of like, well, Kaepernick's not a starter level player, so we don't want to bring him in on we don't want to bring him on as our backup, even though I mean he'd be one of the five best backups in the league probably, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's what I would have liked to have seen, like with Kareem Hunt, I mean if Kareem Hunt was a with a Kaepernick level player, I can't imagine a team picks him up, at least not this quickly. I mean yeah. to
0: be fair, kind we've had star players kneel Neil. during that and, whole you know, situation. They didn't get cut. But uh, Travis Kelsey is a white man who kneeled uh during right, those right, games. Right. And he's a star, superstar tight end and, and I mean nobody thought about get rid of him. I but for you, it would have to be a guy who had have to start that kind of movement. and Right, uh, yeah, like, like be the face of it. You but know, to me, that's why I just traffic. jumped in on you, Kendall, because I just felt like even to say that, you know, and I'm not saying you're saying that, I'm just saying like for our society, for us to be like, right. well, Kaepernick might not be that good, and this guy's great, so he gets a job and Kaepernick doesn't. It's like, wait a minute, like how, how does that even – first of all, forget about like us comparing what Kaepernick's doing to what Hunt did, but just like as a society, I'm like, so a guy is good, he can play, but if guy's not good, we don't put him in the league. Like with Ray Rice, I mean, like how, like it, it, that's really how we're, we're going to be judging players and their misdeeds off the field. Which again, with Kaepernick, is not even misdeeds; it's just off the field. It's just a state I guess taking.
1: from you a mean, business perspective, I I do understand to an extent. Like you know, you're going to take a PR, a PR hit, but is the is the player's impact on winning worth the PR hit? And that's where I say, I mean, yeah. it may not, it's cold, but it's, it, it's economics. you know, it's sport, sport economics where it's like, I mean, this guy, but the only reason this why this guy averages, this guy adds five, you know, three wins to our like the total. I'm willing to, I'm willing to, you know, maybe look the other way. The only reason why I, 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 I
0: pause when we say that, While yes, that's true, Nike has done very well since they've embraced Kaepernick. They have the same people, not the same people, but they have, I would assume, similar people in regards to PR and economics uh, stuff that I would assume the same capable people that the people these NFL teams have. I can't imagine that Nike came into a decision that all 32 NFL franchises and their PR departments and their economics departments all came to a different decision. And it was no, no, same. I'm not arguing.
1: I like, I feel like whatever team signs Kaepernick, yeah, it would be, like, they'd be the people's champ, <laughs> more or less. But I, I'm saying, like, I'm looking at, like, Kareem Hunt and Ray Rice. Like, you look at those two guys, and you get a lot more return on investment with Kareem Hunt than you do with Ray Rice. Oh, well, for so sure. You, so you may be more willing to be like, look, people may, may riot, but he asked. But the wins thing towards, is, they won't, <laughs> and they're not. Title.
0: But that's why I said that they're not going to riot because Cream Hunt is good. <laughs>
1: that's
0: what, right. Like that's that's why I said this is the NFL. Every time they do this stuff, holding a
1: mirror to society. Like, like you man, basically, you gotta you gotta, do, you gotta, okay gotta be this, Aaron. Man. You got honestly, you gotta be Aaron Hernandez to be like completely blackballed. You're a star player. Yeah. I mean. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be like in in prison. You gotta be Mike Vick. He might Vick got out. Mike Vick got out five. and got a job.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, you, like to be a star player in this league, you can get away with. It feels like almost if anything. you're not in
1: prison. Yeah, yeah, basically, if you're not in prison, it really doesn't matter what you do. They'll they'll find a way to justify you being on the team.
0: Look, we'll see what happens again. I hope Cream Hunt has grown and changed, and I hope that he's learned his lesson. But uh but when you see moves like this and you think of uh the NFL's supposed uh you know, serious way the the serious nature in which they're supposed to be taking acts violent acts against women moving forward, uh, the way they claim there is no blackballing effort against Kaepernick, you see this and it just makes you sick. At least makes it makes me sick. Um and uh and that's that's unfortunate in this whole deal. But let's move away from the NFL. We talked enough about them. Let's talk about the NBA, let's talk about the Lakers. So after meeting with Maggie Johnson, the team uh, in a meeting that was meant to kind of calm the nerves of the young players following a tumultuous trade deadline, the Lakers have suffered two embarrassing losses to the Sixers and the Hawks, and now fallen below 500. Sitting today on Wednesday, the Lakers are two and a half games out of the playoff spot. Kendall, will LeBron's Lakers make the postseason?
1: Uh, look, I said before the year. You know, I, I I don't remember if I had them. I think I had them in the playoffs, but I, I I gave the caveat that I you know I'd be shocked if they were more than like a seven seed, and I didn't think that they, I I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. Um, the way things are going now, I don't think they're gonna make it. I mean, LeBron could turn it on, but he hasn't shown that uh, he hasn't shown that gear. I don't think this season. I mean, he showed it for a little bit when they were winning games, that's what's been so surprising about this, is that I was, I ate crow for a little bit. I was like, you know what, this Lakers team is better than I thought. I, You know, they they were like 25 and like 15 or something like that. I'm like, yeah, this team playing really good basketball. I mean, LeBron got hurt, so that's, that happens. But he's out there now, and they're playing bad basketball. That's why, um, that's why it's surprising. But honestly, if they, if everybody knows, the thing that take this season was the Anthony Davis trade request. Yeah. They were they were playing fine before that. And the team's psyche was fairly healthy even without LeBron in the lineup. It was after Anthony Davis asked for a trade and all the speculation started 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for a week and a half. Which player are the Lakers going to trade? Which player are the Lakers going to offer? Who do you offer? Who should the Lakers offer who did the Lakers offer for Anthony Davis, eventually that's gonna wear on a player. I mean, I saw someone gave the analogy on 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 television, but like imagine EJ, if you know, your are you know, your 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 day job is, you know, you work at New York One as a as a producer. Yeah. Imagine if I told you that we were gonna cover daily on the news yeah, EJ. You know, you York one might be looking to replace you. Uh, you might be out of a job soon. Uh, you know, your job is hindering. Is, is really your performance doesn't really matter. You can play great and you still might be gone, or you could you could do a great job. And you still might be gone, but you know they're looking to transfer you to, uh, you know, Milwaukee, <laughs> to Milwaukee to a Milwaukee news station. That would be that that would be stressful. Yeah, and maybe it would have I I don't know what kind of effect, but it would have probably some effect on your performance given the stress level that you'd be under during your job. And that's the situation that these guys in the Lakers are in. Beyond the fact that they look at their best player and their captain or whatever he is as the guy that is orchestrating their potential departure, uh, you also have to look at the fact that, yeah, you know, I might get, uh, you know, I, like, even if the trade deadline is passed, like, these guys don't want to be here. They've made it clear. They offered every single one of us to go to New Orleans for one player. And now they expect us to play hard for them, knowing that they're going to do the same thing come July 1st or come the draft. So that was a mistake. Will the team make the playoffs? My gut is no, because I think the West is tough. Uh, There are some avenues because a lot of the teams in contention for those playoff spots. But like the Clippers are tanking. Mavericks aren't really trying to win games. Uh, so, like, there is that avenue of, like, look, they play hard enough. Then Sacramento have a good shot at getting those last two spots. But um, I'm going to lean now. Uh,
0: Will the Lakers make the playoffs? Um, I'm going to say Yes. But I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be right down to the end. I think that this is gonna be an AFC team. I don't see them catching the Spurs or the Jazz right now. They're four, they're four games behind those teams. Uh, those teams right now are better than the Lakers. I think they'll continue to play better than the Lakers by the time uh, the playoffs come around. So that leaves the Kings and Clippers. The Clippers obviously just made a trade with, you know, getting rid of Tobias Harris. They added Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple. I don't know what to make of them yet. And then you got the Kings. The Kings have had an unbelievable season. They got some some they got some young guns that 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 are really impressive. Ba- uh, Marvin Bagley's has had a career high this week. Uh, Buddy Hield's had a tremendous season. De'Aaron Fox uh, has, has had a tremendous season. He looks like one of the top young guards in the league. They're they're a good team. They just added Harrison Barnes, but it's it's different. It's a different animal being in the eighth spot on february 13th and then finishing in eighth by the time we get to april still a lot of time left i think they're going to be a decent team i I expect them to be around 500 but right now they're four games below above 500 i'm gonna say they come down a little bit i'm gonna say the clippers play close to 500 the lakers just have to get above water and i think they'll barely make it but that says a lot man that says a lot that in a year where i thought that they'd have no problem making the playoffs that you were right, essentially, that this was going to be a struggle. And that's, to me, what it looks like. I think they're fortunate that there are two teams ahead of them that I don't just don't think are ready for the moment. It's not that they're not capable, but uh, I don't think the Kings are ready for the moment. I think the Clippers uh, blew their chance, probably, with the trade for Harris, and now having to insert two new players and losing your top score, it's not impossible for them to miss it, but that's that's not going to be easy. But I'm gonna say the Lakers make it, but man, I don't know. This is this is not going well, and I'll tell you what. I, I think I think Matt Johnson made a mistake going flying across uh, across the across the country to go to Philadelphia to meet with those guys. I think that that uh, did not accomplish anything. I think, in my opinion, those players probably look at him and feel like uh, uh, they probably don't look at him very positively. He's the guy that, that in their eyes probably tried to trade them. And I think he's the last guy they want to hear from at this point. So for him to walk through that door and say, "Hey guys, trust me, everything's okay," I don't think that's gonna work. And I'll be honest, I think his public comments also kind of failed. He said, "Quote, quit making this uh, uh, this thing about these guys uh, are babies because they're that's what you're treating them like. They're professionals, all of them. This is how this is how the league works. They know it. I know it. That's how it goes. So we got to move forward, we, we are moving forward." I don't know. This came off a great win, and against the Celtics, he's coming in saying these guys are being treated like babies. I, I just don't know who on the Lakers roster is going to hear that and feel good, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like is this? I don't know. These seem like odd comments. His meeting seemed odd. I think that yo, you're the front office guy. You just stay away and just let the team handle handle them handle the
1: way they I, can. I wanted to talk about first. Do we think Luke Walton survives this year? I do like, I think he'll finish out the season, but I think he's fired
0: after the year. I'm beyond, I don't know if he finishes out the season. I don't think I don't. they can continue to play this bad and
1: he finishes. Who's the who's the replacement? I mean, I don't know who's on their staff like that. not Scott on their staff? He's doing TV. He can't be on their oh, staff. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that would be wild if they didn't bring him on like that. Uh, I mean, it I would be, it would be an interim
0: coach. Guy. It would not. They're not bringing in somebody. Yeah, they're not going on,
1: but like. I mean, they didn't care. Like, Tyron Lue was, like, an obvious, like, all right, yeah, this guy's been a yeah, kind of he, he be coach, coach for, like, two, as, three years. Yeah, he was a
0: coach as soon as, uh, as soon as Blatt was named that head right. coach, we knew who the next coach was. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I don't know if they have that successor, but. Yeah, Brian Shaw's on the staff. Why are you telling me he's on TV?
1: You said
0: Byron Scott, right? Oh, I said Byron Scott. I meant,
1: I, I meant Brian Shaw. I thought that's what I Oh, said. I, I don't know. Maybe I heard Byron Scott, you said Brian Shaw. But, uh, yeah, it'd be Brian Shaw. And maybe that's the move they'll make. Um, I know Genie Bus likes Luke Walden, so I don't know if that'll happen. But um, beyond that, though, how long does Magic have? Mm. That's a question no one's really asked. But I, the clock has got to be ticking at some point. He promised they're gonna bring all these. He got LeBron, which was huge. Probably made them a ton of money. Made them relevant. But he—they've fumbled. I mean, how many times do you gotta get caught for tampering before like? It becomes you're not running this organization correctly, or I would not say correctly, but you're not running it uh, successfully. Because that's not money out of Magic's pocket, okay. at least I don't think. Money out of- you know, I don't, I don't think he's gonna pay. <laughs> I mean, maybe he should, but you know, like. And I look, I look beyond Magic, and I say, there's another Laker great who's been very, uh, been very vocal has been very active in trying to help this franchise and who has connections to LeBron and Genie Buss and Rob Polinka. That's That's Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Do they say to themselves at some point, it may not be this year or next year, but I I, I would look in the next two or three years to see. I wouldn't be shocked if Kobe ended up replacing Magic. I I never got the impression
0: that Magic was a long-term president for this team i, I don't know I, I don't know why i just always got the impression that I mean, maybe because the guy's a billionaire like, i mean you could do a lot i'm not saying that he doesn't love doing this in fact he talks about he's doing it because he loves it but i mean he could do anything and he's doing this and it's not like you're gonna make a lot of money doing this so i, I feel like i always felt like this was a, a temporary stopgap for him but it's a job he's always wanted it wouldn't surprise me if, if all of a sudden, you know, he was gone in a year or he two. He stepped out, yeah. Um, I don't know if necessarily it even has to be that things are going bad. I just I just think that I always felt like he was a short-term guy. I just can't see the Lakers being the franchise franchise that fires Magic Johnson. Even if they
1: you know, don't fire him, all you got to do is you know, tell you, yo, Magic, you got to go, man. I, and I he'll feel, step down gracefully. I, I think. I
0: feel like he'll do a gym busting thing and just be like, look, if I don't do it by this year, then, like, I'm stepping down. I, I don't think – I just – I find didn't, it he, the, didn't he say that about free agents? He, he said, said it about a free agent, free agents, and yeah. I'll down. Which we all know was like kind of ridiculous because
1: because he knew they, he
0: had LeBron. Lebron in hand. That's like an empty right. promise.
1: There's right, no exactly. way he
0: was not going to deliver on that. But then
1: he said, I think he said this week that they're, they they got to sign like another guy for they in the next two years. I mean, he like. I don't think he made an ultimatum, but I think he said that's like their goal or whatever. I mean, I would assume that they,
0: I assume they will get somebody else, but. I, I mean, right know.
1: now, I think Clay Thompson's the guy, but even that is, like, a long shot. Like, for me to say, like, you're, their best chance to get a star player next year is, you know, Clay Thompson's got to be willing the league Golden State after winning a third straight title. So you think Clay Lakers.
0: Thompson is more likely to be a Laker than Anthony Davis is next year?
1: Yeah, I don't think he's going to get traded there. So, mm-hmm. if, if that doesn't happen, then... um. Where like where's I mean they could they could then settle and be like all right we'll just put all our chips in for Bradley Beal but I mean Bradley Beal is a star player in his own right but is that the guy you're really trying to pair with LeBron to try and you know win a championship at this yeah, stage? That's yeah. not the that's not the Lakers star Star Wars lineup. You're right, exactly. He's a third guy maybe in that in that yeah. piece but he can't be the number two.
0: Yeah I mean. I, the clock could definitely be taken on Magic. I think that the Lakers will be a little patient because he's Maddie Johnson. I do think that Luke Walton could definitely be. I I think there's a chance he will not make it out of this year. That's how bad they look. Cause that game against the Hawks, how lifeless they looked. That's the kind of game that gets a coach fired. If he got fired after that game last night, I wouldn't have been shocked. I'm like, well, the look of the way the team is, they're below 500, and. They lost to the lifeless Hawks and they got dominated by Trey Young. I mean, that's the kind of game that uh, you kind of a coach can lose his job over. So, and that's unfortunate because I feel like yeah, we look at Matt Johnson; and he put this team together, and the team <laughs> the team doesn't make all that much sense. It didn't make sense when they built it over the summer. We hope that LeBron would um would kind of just you know you know overshadow some of the issues this team has. And do
1: we feel like LeBron has? Is this a sign that he's taking a slight step back?
0: Uh, that, I think if they don't make the playoffs, I mean that's like a, that's like a cheating
1: cheating answer. If I'm a cheating, right. right?
0: If they don't make the playoffs, then that means is without question a sign
1: that he's taking it. Because he's been consistently throughout his career, no matter who you put around him, he right. can take them to the playoffs. I mean, he's been the East, work. but he's been with worse rosters than this, and he's made it work. You know, yeah. Cleveland was kind of a train last year. To be fair, I think this team makes the playoffs in the East, so.
0: But we that's but that's not that don't that, that's not good enough
1: Cause we've right. had,
0: because we because we because because the people that there have never been Cleveland LeBron, team. yeah to keep saying that what's made him great is that no matter where you put him, he's making the playoffs every year and the real the real only argument you could have against that is well he's been in one conference that we understand has been the weaker conference over the course of his career and now he's in what everyone would assume and expect to be the stronger conference. If he doesn't make it in his first year, that's that is an indictment on his career, without question. We can no longer talk about right. him being this automatic uh, thing in terms of no matter what happens, no matter where he is, he's in the playoffs. And I think LeBron's inability right now to kind of lead these guys over over the hump does show a little bit of old age, attrition, a little yeah. bit of attrition. You know, I, I think LeBron. You can look at James Harden two ago. years ago. I think LeBron figures the team this way, this team, figures a way to get his team to the seven for six spot. I can't imagine right. two or three years ago, this team, with LeBron, the way he was playing, is out of the playoffs.
1: We're talking about, I mean, the Sacramento Kings being led by Darren Fox are better than the Lakers That just right doesn't now. make
0: any sense. Being led, led by LeBron. LeBron. The Lakers should have more talent than the Kings.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the Lakers, like...
0: They got two guys out of number two in the draft.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's bizarre.
0: Um, well, Let's talk about the Celtics, Ken. The Celtics... After two miserable losses, the Los Angeles teams in which they blew two uh, big leads at home, they went to Philly on Tuesday night and, and secured a, a massive win over the Sixers in their new lineup featuring Tobias Harris. They had that win without Kyrie Irving, who was out with a, a sprained knee. The talk has always been about how good this team could potentially be or how good they are. When Kyrie's out of the lineup, we saw them go on a major run in the playoffs last year, getting all the way to the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving. But we've seen them kind of sputter over the course of this entire season in which they were only in the fifth spot uh, heading into last night and against a team that we look at now as a potential championship contender in Philadelphia, they were able to win without the best player. So, Kendall, is it fair to raise the questions about whether or not the Celtics are, in fact, better
1: off without Kyrie Irving? Um, I think it's. I mean, I think it's definitely fair to raise a question. I mean, think we're eight and two. We're eight and two without him. So the season, uh, obviously, we know we did in the playoffs last year without him. So it's it's not. If someone asks, are the Celtics better about Kyrie Irving? I don't think it's, oh, that's a dumb question. But I think we all have to. We have to look at you know context and look at what do we mean by better. Because I feel like, if you're asking, do the Celtics, does does Kyrie's supporting cast play better without Kyrie? I would say that's 100%. I think everybody's stats would probably look better without Kyrie. Um, And the record shows that we play great basketball typically without him. I would just ask, we know that Kyrie's also played amazing this year. And he's been great. For the most part, especially of late, uh, he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. Do we do we really think that adding Kyrie Irving to this mix it does diminish the the rest of the players' value? But is Kyrie's boost really worth losing everything that you're going to lose from the rest of the guys on the team? I don't. That's the question that that's the question that we really have to ask. It's it's so hard to answer. It I mean. I can't, I can't tell you how the Celtics would have done in the playoffs last year if Kyrie were out there. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you if we beat Milwaukee in that seven-game series. I can't tell you if we – I mean, I think we beat Philly, but I can't tell you if we beat Cleveland. Um, that's something that, I mean, I, I would think, again, theoretically, but we also thought theoretically adding Gordon Hayward and Kyrie would make this team by far the best team in the East. And that that hasn't happened. They, I don't think they were worse, but, it's, I mean – record wise or worse, but I don't I, I think a lot of that's just regular season, you know. I I, I don't I think we're pretty much the same team we were last year. Um which shouldn't happen when you add two all star caliber players. So I mean I think long term I, I, I've made the case that I I think it'd be better for a lot of a lot of people on that team and even maybe even Brad Stevens to not have Kyrie. Um because I feel like as Tatum and Brown develop, uh, they'd be better served not having to play second fiddle and third fiddle with Kyrie Irving. Um, And those guys will never turn into the players that they could potentially become playing with Kyrie. And Gordon Hayward, we saw him last night play as comfortable as we've seen him look all season. Uh, Now, of course, he shots the ball incredibly, and we don't know if that's ever going to happen, but um, well, that's, we don't know if that's always gonna happen, but still, I, I don't know. Uh, well, all, all I'll say is, this, as a Celtics fan, and I said this before: if Kyrie leaves, it's far from the end of the world. If he comes back, I mean, great. Uh, the question now really is: if you're Danny Ainge, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. But long term, are you? Do you try and get him on a cheaper deal, which from and then. That will then lead to the question, will Kyrie then just be all "All right about they're trying to jit me? So that's the question I would ask.
0: Yeah, I think this is kind of a – it's a tough way to look at it. I mean, I I think that the question is fair to ask, but I would say no, they're not better without Kyrie Irving because I think that – it's kind of weird, but I think Kyrie's presence as a closer, as a go-to guy late in games – is way more valuable in the postseason than it is in the regular season, because in the regular season, teams take nights off, teams aren't playing hard all the time, um, and I think some of the some of the issues Kyrie had in terms of not being, not really being a guy who gets everybody involved, not being a, a top-notch defender, some of those things rear their ugly head more. Um, in a regular season kind of situation where games are a little more open, games aren't as intense and they maybe they do in the regular season where his offensive ability just overcomes a lot of that stuff. And to be honest, he's probably playing just much better defense than he is when he's playing in the regular season. I think it's harder to mask those issues uh, in the regular season. And I think that those other guys without question do play better when he's not on the floor. And I think it's just a simple chemistry thing. It's a simple basketball chemistry thing is that in that, they have uh, Smart, Rozier, Tatum, Morris, uh, Gordon Hayward. Am I missing anybody else on the perimeter? Al Horford. now I'm not talking about perimeter guys. Jalen right. Brown. They have all these yeah. guys who are perimeter scorers. All those
1: guys. And even Horford been, in today's day and age, he's, he's almost just as so much a perimeter scorer as an in interior guy.
0: Right. I mean, these are guys that, that like, at, but at least Horford
1: is a guy who, who –
0: can't can score get on them. And yeah, on can guys. get buckets. The other, and and he doesn't really get in the way of anything Kyrie would want to do. If anything, he's going to score on a two-man game with Kyrie. But all those guys in his name, they're all guys who are guys who are going to try to score on the perimeter. Guys who need the ball in the same spots Kyrie needs the ball. So if you're not getting the same quality of efforts from those guys, I don't know if Kyrie playing well is going to make up for the fact that I'm getting nothing from Jalen Brown. I'm getting nothing from Howard Hayward. It doesn't. So, but when those guys, when he's out and those guys are able to play with a lot more confidence or a lot more um, certainty and then you don't have to worry about the issues Kyrie brings to the floor potentially that helps. Now the problem and- is in the playoffs, you need dogs man. You need guys that late in the game can close out. You need guys that sometimes, no matter what the defense is doing, the guys just too good and some of that smoke and mirror stuff that you get away with in the regular season when you might not have a star, a star player you can't get away with in the playoffs that's and, why that's why the Celtics right. were always an interesting case to me Kendall because I felt like while I don't think that I think that Steven excuse me Ainge made a mistake not trading some of these guys in the in the offseason and I think uh Stevens hasn't done a great job meshing this group of talent I still couldn't go all the way and say this team's a failure because I feel like Kyrie is so great when it when the, the chips are on the table that they might be one of the teams that maybe a fourth or fifth seed in the playoffs, but beats teams that are better than them because they might have the best closer in the East. So some of these things you can't really weigh in a two-game skis in season, trying to get a sample size of what a team is. But in a seven-game series, one-on-one with one particular team, I'm taking Kyrie Irving and letting those other guys figure it out. Than what we saw last year, which was a ragtag group who couldn't find a way to win on the road, and when they had to uh, hit big shots against LeBron, they couldn't come through.
1: Yeah, I mean, the guys also play better because it's it's more by committee. It's more by it's scoring by committee, it's scoring by who's got the hot end. And when Kyrie is out there, it's Kyrie's the number one option. There is no number one option by committee. We've seen games uh, without Kyrie where Jalen Brown scores 30, seen games where Morris scores 25, where Tatum scores 30 where Rozier goes for 25, Smart goes for 20-something. We saw last night Hayward go for 26. It's scoring by committee. It, and it's a good brand of basketball to play because when you have so much talent, when you have so many guys that can do that, it's rare you're going to have nights like Game 7 at home against Cleveland where no one's got it. you more or less it's harder
0: for at home. And it's hard for teams defensively when you're preparing to key in on one guy.
1: Yeah. You know, like how like you don't know where it's coming from on what night and so that that makes them hard and also defensively i think they are improved when Kyrie's not there um but like ultimately though again it's 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 a it's an impossible question to answer because like what i will say and also the last thing is i don't think like i don't think they're depreciably worse with, Ky- with Kyrie, Irving, which maybe is more of a telltale sign of whether or not they're better without him. But like, I mean, again, I think it's nonsense. Like you said, late in games, fourth quarter, last five minutes. There's no way you could tell me I'd rather not have Kyrie Irving than have him. That would, uh, that would be insane. But the question is, are they? Is the value is Kyrie Irving worth the value that they're gonna be willing that they're gonna have to pay him in the offseason mm-hmm. And am I gonna pay a of a injury-prone All-Star point guard in his prime that I don't really need a max contract. I mean, probably I would because I'm trying to win a championship. But I would certainly understand if the Celtics were like, you know what? I, I mean, I made the case we should have traded, you know, before the deadline and got value for him. Right. But letting him walk would be frustrating given what we gave up to get him. But. Um, Ultimately, like I said, I don't think that they are much worse without him.
0: Kendall, let's, uh, let's move on to who's Flames and who's Trash. So this week, uh, I'll go first. My Flames pick is going to be Paul George. The uh, Oklahoma City forward has just been in fuego uh, over the last 10 or 10, 11 games. In the month of February alone, Kendall, so far he's averaging 39 points, shooting almost 50% from the field shooting 47% from three and averaging eight rebounds. He had his first triple-double, I believe, of the season uh, in the last win over the Portland uh, the, Trailblazers. We had 47 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. Kendall, Paul George, to me, is right now definitely in the thick of it when it comes to this playoff, uh, In in terms of this MVP race. I know a lot of people kind of handed the award to James Harden, but Kendall, the last 10, 11 games, I mean... Paul George is playing Harden-esque. I mean, yeah. I'm reading his point totals. 47, 45, 27, 39, 37, 43, 37, 36, 23, 36,
1: 31, 31. I mean, he's, hey, look, he's been on it's fire. It's not Harden-esque. It's not Harden-esque. He, I heard 23, 27. <laughs> has right. been getting 30. Well, I get that. He's been getting 30 for like a
0: month. But I'm just saying. He he has he's had some massive I, games. He's had, he's I had saw five 40 point games, three excuse me, three 40 point games in just this month alone, and two of the other games in which he didn't get forty, he had thirty seven and thirty
1: nine. Yeah, I saw a uh, well, I saw something that said like, oh yeah, because the the stats that he's putting up this year are only Michael Jordan 88, 89, has ever put up the numbers he's put up in terms of like points, rebounds, assists, and steals, but. I, when I heard, when I saw someone say he's averaging twenty nine points a game, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I had to like, I had to be like, oh, that's that's wrong, right? The typo, you know, like twenty five, twenty six. I know he's playing great, but he's not twenty nine. And then I look up and I see twenty eight point seven. Yeah. I'm like, wow. He's having playing with Russell Westbrook. He's having by far now. Westbrook's far. numbers he's have far. gone down. Yeah. I mean, Paul yeah. George, man.
0: Paul George been <laughs> incredible. And I say, you, all- you
1: think the Lakers? Uh, you think Magic is uh, regretting tampering? <laughs> To get Paul George and, you know, being like, I, I can't give him Ingram. Yeah, this guy. I think I think he would take guess that at this point. And I'll tell you what,
0: the other thing about Paul George that we didn't mention, we talk about all those numbers, how great his rebounding has been, great his shooting has been. None of that mentions that this guy plays all NBA-type defense. So if you put the numbers this guy is putting up, carrying the thunder, and the fact that this guy is a lot of times guarding the other team's best perimeter player, a lot of times shutting down the other team's best perimeter player, George has been unbelievable. I, I, to me, I, I know Harden has it for a lot of people, but I think him and Paul George are neck and neck. And I would throw Giannis in that mix too. He'd be right below them. But to play the way George is playing offensively and to play elite-level defense, he's having a tremendous season. He deserves a lot of credit. He is my flame for this week. Kendall, who's your flames?
1: Yeah, yeah. my flames this week. Um, I'm going with uh, me. Oh, What's? Is that, no, is that, not, that is
0: not how this works. We do not give ourselves yet? awards on the New Generation Sports Talk podcast. Who uh, who allowed this? I, I, I'm
1: going. I'm going I mean, they for to for myself. They need to call the league office. This can't be allowed. Because uh, we made a YouTube video, EJ. It came out about two weeks ago, uh, where we predicted or I predicted where each of the top uncommitted high school basketball players would be going to school, and. That video is now, it reached 1,000 views this week. Uh, shouts out to us. But we, the first guy, or it wasn't the first guy we talked about, but the first guy that we talked about in that video that has committed uh, since that video came out was Anthony Edwards, five-star shooting guard from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, in the video, I went out on a limb and said that he would commit to the University of Georgia. At the time, Florida State was the runaway favorite. And most people thought if he was going anywhere else, it would likely be Kentucky just because it's Kentucky. Uh, I went out on a limb and said, look, everything that – make everything – all the I, I, logically, it makes sense for him to go to Georgia. And, and if you want to see my, my logic into why he should have gone to Georgia, you can watch the video. But um, this week, EJ, uh, on national TV uh, – not national TV, but – you know cbs hq whatever they're live streaming uh they do live streaming streaming service whatever they have uh he committed to the university of georgia um in a move that surprised a lot of people maybe not he didn't surprise people going into it because it's never a surprise now going through it but uh surprised people that he, he was supposed to be visiting uh florida state this weekend uh and then decided to cancel that so he could commit to georgia um Again, I want to give myself a pat on the back for getting that one right. We're one for one, EJ. Uh, you know, you can play the applause music if you got it. No, but, I mean, I, I'm not giving you no applause. i giving but, yourself credit. I'm
0: sorry. That's not how this world
1: works. We're one for one, also a good start. <laughs> now, you know, we need, you know, Cole Anthony to go to North Carolina, Jay McDaniels to go to Kentucky, uh, Matthew Hurt to go to either Kentucky or Memphis, and Pressure that you to go to either Memphis or UConn. So, you know if those happens I'll, I'll come out if that happens I'll come out and say we're uh we're 5 for
0: 5. So I wow. mean there's still a chance that at the end of this you could still be uh Bill ben Wallace's career free throw percentage in regards to these picks There's still plenty of guys out there on the table. You still, yeah. you could be seeing 20%, a 20%. A yeah. percent or 40%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know uh, a correct rate in Yeah, to my crystal to ball, play. you know, 100% so far. So, it's still a long way to go. Uh, let's get the trash, Kendall. Okay, trash this week is the NBA referees. And I feel like this is a story that needs visual, and I can't give you that, obviously, because it's a podcast. I can only explain to you what happened. So earlier this week, the Wizards were playing against the Pistons in Detroit, and Bradley Beal made a move to the basket. And it, saying this was traveling is an understatement. He goes left. Blake Griffin comes over for the block, and he takes what probably is at least four or five steps on his way to deciding to then pass the ball um, across the court. and up being a turnover. So this obviously was a clear travel, but it was not called, which you're probably saying, okay, clear travel not called. Yes, this was egregious, but what's new? I would have let it slide. I would not have brought it up on the show. I had to bring it up on the show. Because the NBA referees who clearly are in their feelings because we keep telling them every week how trash they are for not calling travel, decided to actually defend the referees' decision not to call a travel. Despite the fact that Bradley Beal went to the basket, took two steps, then faked like he was gonna shoot, and then took two more steps without no all this without dribbling, and then threw the ball out. They defended this move by saying that this was not, not a travel. They tweeted Quote, the offensive player gathers with his right foot on the ground he then takes two legal steps before losing control of the ball after regaining possession a player is allowed to regain his pivot foot and pass or shoot prior to that foot returning to the ground this is legal Kendall this is the worst refereeing decision I've seen maybe ever Like And and, 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 and I say when I say decision, I'm not talking about what we saw. No, I'm not even talking about that. Oh, yeah, kind of, exactly. Like, I'm not talking about what we saw in New Orleans where, like, that's a blown call that they realized was a blown call. I'm talking about we see a travel, and the league looks at it and says, nope, actually, it's not a travel. This is, like, the tuck rule. Like, imagine if this happened in an NBA Finals – and the NBA came out with this nonsense. To say that Bradley Beal fumbled the ball because Blake Griffin was going to block his shot and was able to then be allowed to take two steps is asinine. Imagine, Kendall, if every time a player went to take a layup and was going to get blocked and decided, oh, if I just fumble the ball a little bit, I can just take two more steps and not get blocked. It's just like the tuck rule. when people were like, imagine if quarterback decided, well, they'll never call a fumble on me, but I just keep tucking the ball over and over again while I'm in the pocket. This is was was insanely ridiculous and it makes the league look kind of like a joke because as much as I love the NBA the the, the the decisions not to call traveling have gotten out of control and the league and its referees deciding to defend their ridiculous rulings not to call travels it makes it look like the game is lawless. this is this is embarrassing. you play any AAU, any CYO, any Youth League basketball, and you see this on a court, you're calling the travel. Now we're making up rules so that these guys can get a break when all this did would just make it worse. So NBA, I'm sorry. NBA referees, I'm sorry. You guys are trash putting out that terrible tweet trying to explain to me what traveling is when you guys don't seem to know every single time I watch an NBA game.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you're uh, getting on the the NBA referees. I'm getting on the NBA themselves ej uh my trash week is the national basketball association um in part uh or not in part because they uh we, of course we talked about the anthony Davis situation last week of course he didn't get traded uh during the trade deadline so it's made it's made uh awkward it's made for an awkward situation in new orleans but him and his agent rich paul come out and said they want to they want him to play that he anthony davis wants to play Pelicans uh, for great reasons are like that. Ideally, we wouldn't want to play. We don't want him to play because the risk he might get hurt, hurt his value in the trade market. Um, if anything, their their mindset is we'll play him limited minutes if we have to play him at all. Uh, the NBA came out told the Pelicans uh, we're going to fine you one hundred thousand dollars for every game Andy Davis does not play, uh, uh, citing the their NBA citing their rest rule that was created. The Great Popovich control essentially. Um, citing that you can't rest players that are healthy and active. Um, so, last game against, uh, or two games ago, against uh, Minnesota on national TV, they played Anthony Davis 25 minutes. Didn't play him in the fourth quarter. Uh, I they ended up winning that game. But, um, and he put up crazy. He had like 32 points that game. But didn't, sat the entire fourth quarter. this, for me, EJ, is... You want to talk about making making up rules? To say that the Pelicans are forced to play Anthony Davis because he... Look, flat flat out, they're only saying this because he's a star player, and I understand that. It's the same with the idea of, oh, we want to arrest uh, LeBron James. I mean, yeah, like, fans are going to be pissed that they can't watch LeBron on TV or even in person. Um... And it's not the same as resting LeBron and not the same as resting Garrett Temple. I understand that. But, so you, the same can be said for sitting out Anthony Davis when he requested a trade to, you know, sitting out Chandler Parsons when he requests a trade. I, I I understand that from a, theoretically. But logically, why, what about Anthony Davis, besides the fact that he's a great player, makes him special in the sense that the Pelicans can't decide when and when, when and how they want to play him. When he's made it clear he doesn't want to be a part of this franchise, I could argue from the Pelican perspective, why can't we suspend him for conduct detrimental to the team? Because I would think going out publicly and requesting a trade middle of the season when you have a year and a half left on your contract is conduct detrimental to the franchise. And I mean, I like the fact that the NBA is going to step in and say. Well, you know what? No, if you don't do that, we're fining you $100,000 if you don't play him. You can't, you can't tell me who to play from the Pelicans and pl- tell me how much I got to play. You, is Adam Silver really telling Alvin Gentry how much he has to play Anthony Davis? And yeah, he is. If, <laughs> and from what I've heard, if uh, if they were to have sat him uh, every game after the trade deadline, it'd be a $1.2 million fine. Uh. If I'm the Pelicans, I eat that money. It's like firing a coach with that type of money. is completely worth it. Way, way more safe than playing him and risking injury for a guy that's already an injury a player. But there's also apparently a rule where the league can determine how much they want to find him. It starts at $100,000, but two weeks from now, if they keep doing it, the league can be like, you know, we're finding you a million yeah. for not paying him because you guys don't want to listen. This, is, this I feel like, is archaic. It uh, it gives Adam it gives Adam Silver in the league way too much power over things that have nothing to do with them. Like is is it, is it my fault if I'm the Pelicans that you guys scheduled us 20 games uh, uh, <laughs> post the trade deadline, not not making the foresight that Anthony Davis could potentially ask for a trade in today's day and age of pre-agency. Where guys ask for trades before free agency? is that what <laughs> they call on this? Now? Yeah, that's a, Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so I heard that. Like, I, I mean, I feel like, and Giannis is going to be the next free agency guy. The way the way you things are shaping it up, but uh, no, this is this is ridiculous. Uh, the league, big uh, big fat L on this one. Hopefully, if I'm the Pelicans, I I'm not playing. I, I'll I'll take him to court if it's worth if it's worth it, but. Like, there's no way you can tell me who I'm playing and who I'm not. Rich Paul isn't going to decide that. This guy doesn't want to be a Pelican. It's a lot different if Anthony Davis said, I want to play. um, Or I want to play and I want to be a Pelican long term. This The egg should not be on my face if I'm Dell Demps and Tom Benson. Or not Tom Benson, RIP. Gail Benson. But the egg should be on the face of Rich Paul and Anthony Davis. Who said, and look, this is a paid vacation. No one's saying he, he can't make money, but you're the one that said you don't want to be New Orleans, so we ain't going to play
0: I mean, Kendall, I, I, I tend to agree with a lot of your sentiments. Um, I just don't think that it's fair that the league could turn a blind eye to teams obviously tanking, but then mandate another team who it would be in their best interest to tank. Tell them you can't do it because your guy is too good to tank. Because you have a star player. I mean, I the Grizzlies just didn't play Marcus Ole and Conley for a week because they thought they may trade them. And I expect that Conley will miss a lot of games in the second half of the season because now they're in the tank mode. We saw the Knicks. Now, you can make the argument that the Knicks not playing Cantor actually was good for basketball, but the Knicks decided just to not play Enos Cantor for, on a DMP for weeks. And many in New York media cried foul saying that this was a team that was already tanking, now trying to tank even harder. I didn't hear Adam Silver saying, no, 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 you have to play Aeneas Cantor X amount of minutes because uh, playing him gives you a better chance to win. I understand that Cantor is better than... I mean, excuse me, Cantor is definitely not better than Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is better than Cantor, um, better than the guys in the Grizzlies, but it just... You just can't. It just feels like this. Feels like the league is making the rules up as they go. I also don't understand how teams can just send guys home, like the the Rockets sending home Carmelo Anthony, him just being gone for a month and or months still months. So he just finally got traded just a couple of weeks ago, and that be okay. But it, but and that that can be explained for just basketball reasons. But this isn't. You know I. I don't know. I just feel like, like you said, when you talk about the fact that the player uh, made his situation untenable purposely, and now I'm being left to deal, deal with it because of his actions, and you're not letting me make the actions necessary for me
1: to then um, mitigate the
0: situation. Uh, it doesn't add up.
1: This is, and this is also a danger. I would say a danger because it's not that serious. It was, hopefully, it shouldn't be. But like, this is this is an uncomfortable situation. We we're talking about a guy that. Is being booed by its own fans. Yeah. This isn't good for business. What if fans are like, I don't wanna go I don't wanna go see the team because they're playing guys that don't wanna be here. That I mean, I don't know I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if fans would rather watch the Pelicans go uh, Anthony Diggs. I can't imagine that's a thing. But regardless, this is all theoretical. This is all the opinion of the league. This is all the opinion of the team. We're not none of this is based on fact. You can't tell me because of some metric. That this is why if, if you're gonna give me if you're gonna force me to play Anthony Davis give me a number give me a metric give me something that says this is why I have to play it don't say oh because he's better and that that, that that's not a that's not a thing what who's to tell me that Anthony Davis is better than J- Jahlil Okafor that I mean I do I think he's better sure but. And everyone probably thinks. He's I just better. feel. I just feel like you can't just like mid, like you can't have teams
0: purposely build teams to tank, and that be okay. Even beyond just playing guys, like there are teams who don't have good players because they didn't want good players. Like yeah, they, the yeah, the Suns didn't sign a point guard all year. Yeah, the Suns didn't sign a. Why didn't guard. you go to
1: Ryan McDonough and force him to sign a point guard?
0: Right, like, like, like I don't know. I just feel like at a certain point you can't just you can't dictate the actions of certain ball clubs. And
1: the Nick, look at the Knicks roster. You, you think trading chris thing is for nothing was good for business in New York? No, absolutely not. You think, you think not. <laughs> trading Chris-Ass for nothing was going to improve their ticket sales and improve their, their box office week in and week out for the rest of the season? No. Yeah, exactly. It made you them did. a terrible team. All they did was clear cap space so they could sign guys long-term. Exactly. And, you can't, you but can't there's nothing wrong with that because, yeah, I mean, the Knicks are already bad. Teams.
0: You can't run other teams from the league. You can't tell me what to do. You can't do that. What's Kendall's score, Kendall?
1: Kendall's score, EJ. This week, uh, we're gonna go to uh, football. You know, we already talked a lot about football, but without the NFL. And no, we are not talking about college or high school football. But we we're gonna be talking about the Alliance of American Football, the AAF, uh, which kicked off this week. Um, I admittedly did not watch any of these games. Uh, I have very little well interest in uh, watching bad football. You know, apparently, I heard it was pretty decent. Call me when the XFL come uh that i'll probably watch um i don't know i'm not i'm not a football craved type of person i'm not a football obsessed person where like you know i like i gotta watch you know i gotta go see christian hackenberg and zach Mendenberger or whatever other average dudes are playing not even average terrible players are playing in this league but uh the, the ratings were great apparently you know the first week the, you know so i assume the ratings will go down um but the one thing I have to say about this is if the rating for this were good, if I'm the XFL, and I don't know what the XFL is going to do in terms of rules or whatever, but I would make a sprint. Even from this league, but the X, this league's already started. If I'm the XFL, I'm making a full-court sprint. They already, they already uh, signed Bob Stoops to be the coach of the, the Dallas team in mm-hmm. the XFL. I'm making a full-court sprint, full-court press, rather, to sign college players star college players to play in the XFL? Uh, yeah. Or, and top high school players. Especially, Like, yeah. for example, like, I mean, the same, same way the USFL did. Yeah. But, like, I'm signing, like, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if he would leave Clemson, but, like, I'm offering that dude or even Justin Fields or anybody with a name and a brand in college football big money to play in the XFL.
0: I have a question for you, though, Kim, though. Would it make sense for that? Like, let's just put Trevor Lawrence in there. Would it make right. sense for him to play in the AFL or the XFL or AF, whatever they called, the AF right. or the XFL, overplaying at Clemson because I would argue that say it doesn't. I I think that would be stupid of him to do that.
1: Depends on the money. Like let's say the XFL can throw a million dollars at him. Absolutely. I disagree. But I, disagree. I feel like I think two that years means. at Clemson. That that's two less million dollars you're gonna make. Yeah, but you get um, to have the Citadel on the schedule. You
0: know, you get to have you know no Furman on the schedule. You know, you even get to have Pitt on the schedule, right? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you get to play against Pitt. I mean, he's going against grown men. I know these guys are trash as far as NFL standards, but I mean, I'm sure they could beat a college team. Or they, I'm sure these teams are probably the equivalent of a very good college team that you're playing every week. And the talent that he has on his team may actually be a little worse than the, team, than the guys he's going to play with. In- Look, if I don't have
1: to, and quarterback's a little different. Especially if I'm like a star running back, but it sounds like out. also
0: Kendall these leads are gonna be a lot more, you know. Yeah, I mean we saw that blinds I hit that dude took. Yeah, Berkeley <laughs> yeah. no flag to be found. So <laughs> those guys kind of we're gonna be seeing. I don't know if I'm if I'm it, Trevor Lawrence I'm taking them. hit. I want right. that targeting. I want that targeting rule that I get. But to like I,
1: I'm not taking any hits for free if I'm a player if I don't have to. If I can take those hits and make well over six figures. Nine figures in some cases. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'll... I just don't think. You, I just think a guy Trevor Lawrence is so good, his team is so good, he's just not taking that many hits. I just feel like he plays with the AF, and the that's NFL. why I say he's like get, he's gonna get roughed that's up. That's why I, that's why paid I say, for like, yeah. it, but I don't know if I'm sacrificing the NFL bag
1: for a, a million right. playing in the AF. That's why I say, yeah, like quarterback. I maybe make the case it's not worth it. Although I think also from a brand perspective, I think their brands could could blow up if the league is put in, this, in the right situation. That, I, the, this thing clearly looks like a minor league. Like, I wouldn't play in this. But if the XFL really is trying to compete like with the NFL and, like, they, they're on, you know, Fox every week and they've got teams in major cities and they're signing big-name star players, yeah, I would play in this.
0: I'll be honest, though, know, I was shocked that this, this ra- these ratings were as good as they were. They had a, they, they were well over two million, which was uh, which was higher than the NBA that night, which it was uh, the Rockets against the Thunder, which is a pretty marquee, marquee matchup match with, with Harden and Westbrook and Paul George. Um, I don't. I'm surprised by it because the Super Bowl did so poorly the week before, so I you know a lot of the you know America football people are like you know touting victory, like just ignoring what happened last week. I don't. I don't know what to make of this. Part of me feels like this says a lot about our gambling culture. I mean, Kendall, they you can play AAF fantasy football on certain websites. There's a football. It's, it's fantasy football leagues for the AAF. There will be fantasy football leagues for the XFL. Our society yeah. is addicted to gambling in ways that maybe I didn't realize. That's a little alarming. I feel like that is almost certainly what drove those ratings outside of it being the first week. Because. Right. I mean, I don't know. I I I didn't watch, and the and I'm an interesting case study because I didn't watch the NBA game, but I didn't even think about watching this. So my thing yeah, is I, like I, I watched so, the NBA game. So. so like so, for me, someone who was like ah NBA regular season, I, I don't need to do this, even though it was a great matchup. But for someone else to look at that and say, oh no, I have to turn this AF AF thing on. I mean, I think this is a fantasy football and gambling thing. It's easier to gamble football. It's a it's a much more gam, gam gambling it's a gambling type sport. and people look at it and say, look, this and the football wasn't that bad, it sounds like. Again, I didn't watch anything. I just saw that hellacious hit and I saw one nice catch. Um I, I, I still have great doubts that these leagues can do very well, to be honest. Um because the, the chances you're going to see those kind of relationships on a week-to-week basis, to me, it's just luck. We just don't know. Um, it's glad they're not calling certain things, but but I I, I just think a lot is still left to, to be determined. But it was a great start. I mean, I, I never would have thought this league would have done better than the NBA on, a, on its first night. So, bravo to them. And bravo to those guys who, who you know, playing, you know, for like $70,000 a year, whatever they're making, they're living their dreams. Because they want to, they want to play football, so they they deserve a yeah. See, like yeah, I ain't playing in that. I'm getting more money. I'm getting more of a bag at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, that's what they, but the thing is that like, they start, <laughs> but they start if they start trying to pay these guys millions and millions of dollars, that's how they're gonna lose money because they ain't gonna be selling out and stuff. Like right. you know, they gotta, you know, I don't know what their TV deal is. You know, I don't CBS is behind it, but they can't be making that much bread. But yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see. I think that's a good place to wrap the show, guys. So thank you so much for listening into the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod. And follow us on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, at Action EJ. We'll be back next week with more Sports Talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.